What are the big issues right now? Most of our employees are feeling threatened. They are scared. They don't know what the future holds. This is where leadership comes in. This is where we need to be much more connected. Over the last two weeks, you know, we have had what I call town hall meetings, you know, but via 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 this uh, this platform. You know, I've never had you know in just two weeks connecting with all of our staff in just two weeks like that. You know, no. But it is exactly at this time. You don't want rumors. You don't want them to have wrong information. Mm. You must create a platform for them to ask you stuff. You know, provide clear direction because that's what is required right now. Mm. You know. How's it going? So today I'm incredibly privileged and honored to bring you the story of Mteto Nyati. Mteto has been named Business Leader of the Year at all African Business Leaders Awards. And over a period of 12 years, Mteto has held various leadership positions, including at IBM in South Africa and in Europe and at Microsoft South Africa, where he was the managing director for six years. He has also been MTN South Africa's group CEO, and now he is the chief executive officer at Ultron. Mteto is also the author of a book called Betting on a Darkie, aptly named book, which we get into. And it's really a book about his life as a shopkeeper's son, a family man, and a business leader at local and multinational corporates. We talk a lot about uh, the inner game of life and leadership and pay careful attention to where we talk about our president or South Africa's president, Cyril Ramaphosa, and his uh, and in the manner in which he pitched up as a leader and what we can all learn um, from, um, from Cyril and from each other as a community of business leaders and as human beings all trying to navigate this complicated world called life. So without further ado, here is the great and powerful Mteto Nyati. Hey guys, welcome back to yet another cracking edition of the Map Rounds show. Today I'm joined by um, an executive I've been following closely on LinkedIn. He is the group chief, well, chief executive of Ultron Group, Mteto Nyati. Welcome to the show. Uh, thank you so much, uh, Matt, for having me. Uh, it's great to be on your show. Yeah, it's, uh, we're going we're gonna to talk about your new book, uh, Betting on a Darkie, Lifting the Corporate Game. Um, and it would be fant- fantastic to get some of your your kind of views around, you know, being uh, the chief executive of uh, of Ultron Group. How COVID nineteen and the coronavirus has kind of you know um, impacted you and and your ability to execute and lead as a leader. Um, so there's a whole bunch we can get into, but um, why don't we start at the beginning? Where does the story begin? So uh, you're a schoolboy in in Mtata, right? Uh, working behind the counter at your mother's trading store. Uh, walk us through your journey from there. Give us the two-minute start. Yeah, look, uh, I, I grew up in a family. It's a large family. Uh, my my brothers and sisters, there's 10 of us, uh, so including our parents, we're 12, so it's a very, very large family. Uh, I would say a little bit complex because my dad also uh, divorced and married my mom, so I'm the firstborn. There's, there's four of us from my mom. Uh, so growing up in that environment, uh, it immediately uh, brought uh, a couple of things. The first one is with such a large family uh, and both parents being teachers, with their salaries, they just could not continue to support us. And so my, my mom decided to uh, branch and started up a, a, a trading store which, if I look back now, is the thing that shaped all of our lives within within that family. Uh, it lifted all of us up from, I would say, maybe low middle class to middle class. Uh, I spent, uh, growing up, I spent uh, not just me, together with my brothers and sisters, many, many hours behind that counter serving customers. Uh, also making sure that we stock the the, the shop. So uh, waking up at uh, 4.30, going to the city to get some groceries, bread, milk, uh, veggies, so that when we open up at at 6 o'clock or 6.30, uh, uh, customers would get fresh uh, products from the shop. And, and and that shaped me a lot. That shaped me. Uh, today, I'm still you know, a morning person. Uh, being at the, uh, 
behind that counter and serving customers, uh, watching my, my parents, uh, in particular my mom, uh, how she was treating the people that were working for her, uh, you know, the respect that she gave her, uh, how she brought in, brought them in, in terms of ideas. Uh, it shaped uh, the way I lead today. Uh, I tend to be a very much participative leader, uh, how she treated her customers. Uh, the two things that are, are always there when I'm, I'm, I'm running any company, the two key pillars of the strategy of the company that I'm running, one, we put people at the center of what we do, and secondly, it's about customers. And, 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 and that I can attribute it to uh, my growing up in that environment. Mm. Uh, then also, of course, I grew up and um, uh, my dad, uh, he's somebody that was really interested in, in, uh, in becoming a doctor. Uh, he, he unfortunately did not end up being a doctor himself. Uh, so he, he was very clear that, uh, you know, he, when he saw my, my, my grades, uh, he felt that I should be a doctor. Uh, and, and I think it was in grade 12 when I ended up representing South Africa uh, in the International Science Olympiad uh, in, in London, UK. Uh, it was uh, there where I got exposed to the different careers that are available. Uh, instead of going around and calling myself, I'm going to be a doctor, I, uh, I became exposed to uh, to engineering and it became clear to me that is the area that I should be focusing on engineering. He was very, very disappointed with me, of <laughs> course. Of course, uh, yeah. But I was, <laughs> I was clear about what I wanted to do, yeah. Well, fantastic. I think it, it's, so, it's striking for me how so many conversations I've had on the show uh, with uh, incredibly successful people such as yourself um, how how influenced they were still to, to to this day, but from from experience they had when they were very young, um, and um, so that's a kind of a precursor to the next question I wanted to kind of ask you. Um, what was the greatest lesson your your mom ever taught you? I say it's it's really it's the respect of uh, of 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 the people that work for you. Uh, uh, that that those people, because they are the ones who are serving customers, they are the ones who are closest to the customers. Uh, they they are the ones who know best what is it that we need to be doing, and 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 respecting the, the people, uh, and and regardless of, of of their levels within within the organization is something that I think uh, it, it yeah it shaped me. Uh, even today, uh, many people, when they, they ask me, you know, it looks like you get into a company, you are quickly being accepted within that company, you are accepted by people who, who are, you know, not just black people or, or Indian people, you are accepted by all people uh, within the, in that organization. It goes back to my mother. Uh, I remember when, when I was, I think I was about seven or eight, uh, when my my half sister uh, chased me out of a particular room, they're saying that I'm I, you know I'm not one of them. Uh, I was not even aware that we were not you know we had that there was that dif those differences. So I was shocked to hear that I'm not one of them. And when I ran to my mother, uh, say, hey, this is what I'm being told by my half sister. Uh, she she sat me down and and explained to me that look there are these complications in life. Uh, they may say this, but at the end of the day, we share a, a father, and uh, in his view, we are all one family. We should not be uh, focusing on differences, and and that felt, that was something. It was something that was painful. That was changed into uh, a positive thing. And, and, and even today, my views around diversity are informed by that experience, you know, mm. the fact that I'm able to reach out to people of different races. Uh, it comes from that because I experienced discrimination uh, before I even stepped out of my family, you know. Mm. So, so, but how I was to, uh, shaped to handle that, it has helped me 
throughout my entire life, you know. Mm. So um, I'm just reading the the kind of bio of, of your book, Betting on a Darkie, um, and it goes on to say he was one of the only black engineers and the sole advice to receive from his superiors was don't mess up. And and that those three words, don't mess up, is something, if you think about the, the stereotypes that um, that that any successful person has to break through, like failure is one of those. Like, do not fail. You know, if you don't, if you if you fail a test, it's bad, and because it's bad, that means you're a failure. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I, I know you, you you can relate to what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, what what have you learned about breaking through? I mean, you as you say, you were discriminated against. No one should be discriminated against. Uh, in my in my view, but unfortunately, that's also not the reality of the world that we live in. So many yeah. people are being, you know, there's uneconomic, well, there's unfair economic distribution of wealth in South Africa and all around the world, even in America. Um, and um, and so, if you think about the stereotypes that exist within that paradigm, there are many of those. Um, and as individuals, we need to recognize when we are coming up against a stereotype, and we need to make the choice to break through those stereotypes. And that's kind of what, what you did within the original kind of community of your family, but then more broadly as you've now become a successful CEO and, and so on and so forth. So what have you learned personally about breaking through the stereotypes as, a, as an African leader? Yeah. So, so, so I think the first time that I, I experienced this is when I moved from um, I studied at St. John's College uh, in Amtata, and so I moved, I uh, was doing my engineering at Natal University, University of Natal, Devon. Uh, that's what the first time I, I got exposure to different races, uh, all in one class. And, and it was very interesting to realize, to see that, uh, wherever you sit, uh, meaning wherever I sit, there was always a space between me and the others, you know. There, uh, whereas everybody else sat close to one another, there was like this space, this huge uh, space uh, around me, and 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 that said, <laughs> that's painful <laughs> because you you kind of ask yourself, what's the problem? What is wrong with me? Why are people running away from me? You know. Uh, but you, you quickly realize that you know you are in South Africa. There are these issues. Uh, this is the world. This is the world we live in. Uh, then the question: How do you deal with that? Uh, uh, I could I could go all the way down and cry that hey the, lo- the world is unfair, or you just you know what? Let me demonstrate that I am a, another human being like them, and I will do that by making sure that. The, th- the very thing why we're here, I excel. In, 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 we're here to study. We're here to make sure that uh, we, you know we do well, and I excel in that. And through that work, people will be able to say, okay, this is interesting. And and by the way, by the end of I would say third year, if, uh, end of third year, that distance between me and others had, had shrunk. There was no distance at all. There was people now who had a huge amount of respect of one another, you know, and 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 were way looking way above, the, you know, the race thing, and and this is what I've seen in life throughout, you know, whether it was at university or here, uh, you know, my first jobs in, in at Al, uh, at at Afrox, you know, initially people don't don't, don't accept you, but how you uh, how you show up. And what you do with the opportunities that you have been given or the task or the projects, how you execute those define how people will end up relating with you going forward. So it's very, very key, the element of, 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 of delivering and, and going the extra mile and excellence, which is something that is, I would say, is one of my values. There are four values of mine that I have. Excellence is one of them. The other one is fairness. Uh, of course, family is another value, very, very important for me. And then integrity. Those are the four values that, that anchor me. And, and they, they define who I am and how I deal with, uh, with, yeah, with the world around me. Yeah, I think it's great. I, I don't know if you're familiar with a chap called Sean Thompson. He was a very famous South African um, big wave surfer. Basically, he put surfing on the international map. He was part of the 
small group of surfers that actually put um, surfing or created the legacy of professional surfing as it exists today. And he wrote this book where he talks about the similar thing to what you've just described, which is around having a code, having a set of organizing, you know, statements or print, like I will be just, I will be fair. I will be, I will always hold, I'll be as uh, always hold on to my integrity, you know, or I'll always act in an integral manner, whatever the case is. So to have these kind of mantras or statements and, and, he, and he swears blind by it. And I'm starting to see, starting to connect the dots between people who are successful. They do have this, uh, this kind of um, set of principles or, or code, et cetera. Um, and, and it's interesting because where I was going to go with that now was, was around success, actually. And do you feel that success – well, let me rephrase. How, to what extent is success driven by choice versus chance in your experience? Stay with us. We'll be right back. Hey there, I know being an entrepreneur can be a very lonely experience. You sometimes get stuck, don't you? Well, if you're like me, being stuck sucks. But what if you could access the minds of over 850 CEOs who have built companies generating billions of dollars in revenue and access all of that knowledge in a fraction of a second? Well, the good news is you can literally do that today. What my team have built is Matt Brown AI. It is trained on all the interviews, over 850 of them that I've done to date, all my books, all the knowledge capital that has been generated over the last 10 years right here on the Matt Brown Show. And you can get access to all of that right now for free. So how do you get access to this? Well, head on over to mattbrownshow.com and at the top, you'll see community. Hit that link, sign up. It's absolutely free and you'll be given instant access to Matt Brown AI and a community of over 100,000 subscribers. I think uh, I would say 70, 30, uh, 70% by choice, you know, and then of course there's a, there's in, within that there is a lot of luck, <laughs> the, 30, mm-hmm. the other 30%, but, but in the main, most of it is really about you, the choices that one makes. Uh, if you look at my book, uh, the, the thing that it, it, it tries to highlight is that regardless of where you come from, you know, it's, it's more about the choices that you make. Uh, and many of us who go around in this world and we, we are not conscious of, of the choices that we make. Uh, we end up in certain places. Uh, we're not so sure why we, why are we here? <laughs> when in reality we can trace back, it is, it is the very, it's the choices that we have made. Uh, I, I always say that uh, uh, if I look at the circumstance of a person, you know, your, I look at your circumstances and I can almost figure out the kind of choices that you have made up to that point in your life, you know, just by looking at, at your circumstances. Uh, you could be divorced or, or maybe you could be, you know, a, a drunkard or very successful person. I don't know. Whatever, whatever circumstances, those will if you look, you look back and you say you can map out the kind of choices this person likely has made. So I, I'm not that person who believes in you know, the destiny and this. It's really about it's about the choices that we're making, and and of course at the back of those, uh, you should always understand that there are consequences. When you when you see certain things happening to you, uh, very linked to the choices that we make. So it's important that we make conscious choices. Yeah. Mm. Well, that's all you have, actually, Mike. Yeah. That's all you have, actually. You mm. just you, you have the ability to decide. And as you say, depend, if you decide A, there's consequences. If you decide B, there's consequences, right? And so ultimately, their choices are your or decisions, I should say, are your, are your kind of ultimate um, way to influence your your situation. Um, just a couple of things yeah, I wanted I, to kind of get into. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Maybe let me just share a, 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 yeah, a, a little story here. Please, yeah. Uh, I, I looked at, uh, at uh, when I was leaving, I was leaving MTN to go to Altron. Uh, here you have a board of Altron. They took the decision. They, they wanted to change the leadership of, of Altron. And they went out to look for the person they believe is, should be the best person to take this company forward. 
and, and clearly they would have to look at things like the track record of the person, is he capable, you know, all of the things that are required for the job. And, and then you get, if you're taking over a leadership role uh, like that in a listed entity, it gets announced to the world that, hey, uh, you know, JSE rules say that you need to be announced, that we now found this new leader. And they did that. They, join us the stock exchange uh, rules did, uh, yeah, they forcing everybody to do that in hours announced uh, guess what happened to the share price you know with all of the track record that i have you know i've really never <laughs> not achieved the things that have been given you know but here i am and there was not actually i was a bit disappointed because the share price did not go up or down. It, it, it was like nothing. It was like there was no announcement, which is interesting. Uh, uh, six months down the line, a colleague of mine also gets uh, announced, uh, uh, someone that I know very well. He's a white uh, former colleague. Uh, he takes over a similar kind of role as well uh, within IT. The share price of that company he took over, it went up 24%. 24% just mm. that day he was announced. And, 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 and you look at this thing and like, like, I mean, you know, I mean, you, you can then you can then cry and say how unfair the world is, or you can say, you know what, you change the way you look at it, you know, in a, such a way that you empower yourself out of that experience. Uh, and and I asked myself, okay, this is interesting. And, and by the way, I call this thing white magic. It's in, you know, here is a person gets announced, you know, voila, you know, before you even touch anything, there's this thing, you know, everything is going to be fine. I call it white magic. <laughs> uh, and, and you look at this thing and, uh, and I look at it, who would I rather be? Would I rather be the person who gets rewarded before having done the work, or would I rather be a person who gets rewarded after people have seen the work that I've done? And uh, and I, I looked at this, you know, by the way, actually, I'm cool with the way the market is treating me. You know, they're looking at how how I'm going to do. And if I, if, if, if I don't do well, in any case, they never had any expectations of me. So that would be great, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Yes, but you, um, what, I'm, what is my point here? My point is there are so many of these things that are designed to hurt us. To you know, it, it's, it's up to you to choose to frame it in such a way that you get empowered out of that. Mm. Because out of that, I said, you know what? I'm going to show people. I'm going to show that you know we can do this. People like me are, are capable of doing this thing. You know. Mm. I don't know. I, I just felt I needed to share that story. Well, it's a great one because uh, the, I've, I've got so many of my own that I can throw into the mix. But I think one that uh, everybody can relate to is, is COVID-19, right? We didn't want it, right? We wanted, yeah. uh, we wanted everything to remain the same. We wanted, like, we want, we want, we want, but we never get what we want in life. We get what we work for. You know, um, and so to to your point around the white magic example, congratulations to that guy. But that was beyond your control. You understand, and and probably yeah. beyond his control. He just, as you said earlier, like it's thirty percent. There's some luck involved. There's some chance uh, involved in it. But uh, but still, at the end of the day, one, it's seventy percent down to the choice, uh, the choices that you make, and then the hard work that you put in in order to get the return and outcome that you want. Exactly. You know. No, I agree. You know, it's it's really all up to the choices that we make. You know, yeah. But it's a it's a it's it's, it's not it's not something that is obvious to everybody. Uh, it's so easy to 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 define yourself as a victim and being helpless is the easiest thing. It's so easy to say you know to blame it on others. But I always focus on the things that have got control over. Uh, I remember going back to the time I was offered the job at MTN. Uh, it was in the middle of the strike, you know. The, they were the MTN employees were out on strike. They have been on strike for three months, and here you are. You are being offered a job. Say, can you become the CEO of this company? And the people are on the street 
and calling their leaders names, you know, and, and who would take a job like that, you know. Mm. Uh, but, you know, when I look at it, as I ask myself, but why would professionals, why would professionals choose to join a union? You know, this is strange. Here these professionals have chosen to go. And here the professionals chosen chosen to go on strike. So clearly there must be something wrong with us as managers to push professionals to want to go join. Naturally, they would they don't they wouldn't want to go join a union. So basically the problem is with us. So it's fixable. Mm. It's something that we've got control over. I also looked at, I was the customer of MTN at the time, being an employee of MTN. I used to, all of my life, I used to be a Vodacom uh, customer. When I joined MTN, of course, I had to move to, to, to be an MTN customer. For that weekend, when they were transferring me from, from Vodacom to MTN, me and my family, it's called porting. Yeah. When they were doing that porting, Somehow we disappeared from the face of the earth for, for that weekend. We're unconductable. We're, uh, so what is my point here? My point is that my experience of the company, the very first few days, it was a bad experience as a customer now of the company. And, and so when I get offered this job, it was personal. I wanted to fix this thing, you know, for, for, for myself, yes, for my family, and for many other people have, that have experienced such a bad service from the customer, from, from the company. And, uh, and, and to cut a long story short, it is so nice now to see, you know, there are no longer dropped calls, there are no longer, you know, all of these complaints that used to be there around the company, mm-hmm. you know. And, and that's the satisfaction that you get when you, you take very, very tough assignments and you go there and fix it, not just for you, but for many, many millions of other people. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I love what you're saying because I want to kind of talk to you about discipline. So one of the things that um, makes a great leader a great leader is the is discipline. And the discipline, in fact, in many, in pretty much every facet of life that I can think of, Discipline is the one thing that contributes probably the most towards achieving an outcome that you want. Um, it's the discipline to get up at 4.30 in the morning. It's the discipline to work late at night. It's the discipline to, to define yourself by, um, by what you say no to, what, not what you say yes to. Um, and for me in my personal experience, and this is kind of what I wanted to get what you've learned about discipline is that discipline for me, the thing where it breaks down, it's the, it's the inner voice where it gives you an out. It's like, I don't want to have a cold shower today, <laughs> you know, uh, or I don't, I, I can do it tomorrow. It can wait, you know? Um, and so, and so, if you don't recognize that pattern in you, and obviously in my world, it's it's that kind of thing. You start to procrastinate. You put off what you can do um, today to tomorrow. Um, and so, at the end of it, you don't take action. And action, obviously, is the again is the vehicle and the conduit towards achievement of anything, really. Um, but um, what have you learned about enforcing discipline as a in yourself as a leader? Because you know, being chief executive officer of MTN and now Ultron Group, etc., um, you know, like it's it's quintessential, right, for me to say that I know that you've learned something here around discipline and how you're able to lead multiple uh, stakeholders and hundreds and thousands of employees, right? So, what have you? How does discipline work in your mind as a leader? Yeah. I'll, I'll make maybe just two examples, and, and then and then we can discuss around those. Uh, the first one, uh, remember, it, I was just three months in in MTN, uh, having uh, been running MTN, and one of the things that we decided to do as a management team was to make sure that we have communication sessions with our staff. You know. Because, you know, these are the people that were in the street. But clearly there was break in communication. So one of the things that we agreed to do is that well, let's make sure that we are aligned with our employees. Let's update them where we are as a business. So it was like a monthly thing. 
so in one of those monthly sessions, it was also not a one-way. It was a, you update them, then you, there's a Q&A, we ask, people ask questions. So I've just finished this presentation, giving them an update and and then opening up for questions. Then there was this question which came from uh, one of the people in front, that uh, Mr. Mr. CEO, <laughs> uh, I would like to ask you a question, Mr. CEO. I, I've never been addressed like that, Mr. CEO. I mean, it's like strange. It says, Mr. CEO, sir. Uh, I like to, uh, there's this question that I like to ask. Uh, yes, yes, yes. What is that question? That I am very, very disappointed in you. <laughs> it's like, okay. <laughs> That's brave. He's disappointed. Yeah, he's, he's disappointed. disappointed. Yeah. Uh, but, but if you can just pause the, the disappointment, the fact that here you've got an employee who is not afraid to say to his CEO that he or she is disappointed. It says a lot about the environment that we had created. Mm. It was created a safe environment for people to be able to say whatever they want to say. But anyway, he said, he's disappointed in me because I have just appointed, the first executive that I appointed was a white man. And here I am as a black CEO, the first person that I appoint is a white man. So I look around, you know, if you are being asked that kind of a question, you look, you know, trying to look for support from the audience, people, and and I can see that you know, nobody's really going to be giving me anything. In fact, almost everybody's in agreement with him. Uh, so, in fact, I saw that as a great coaching moment, a coaching moment, not for just this person, but for all everybody that was, was sitting there. That if you go about, let's look at how you go about hiring someone. You brief an agency, you 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 tell them you've got you're looking for this kind of a of a person, and one of the requirements there it will be it must be diverse. You, it, you cannot just bring me only whites or only black or only colors or Indians. Diverse gender also gender diversity. Then we ended up getting. A, a pool of about 14 uh, uh, candidates. So once now we've got this pool of 14 candidates that are diverse, gender, geography, uh, whatever, what is it then that you look for? I'm asking them, what is it that you look for? You already now have got this uh, inclusive list of candidates. What is it then now when you start interviewing, what is it that you look for? Well. I didn't get the answer, but the answer, as I said to them, the answer is you look for the best person for the job. Then you start, you interview, and the best person for the job then happens to be a white guy. You then say, oh, sorry, wrong color, toss him aside. Then what is it then you look for now? You're clearly not looking for the best person. So those people, they understood it. They got it, but they did not like my answer. They got it. Logically, they get it. And I did not care. I did not care that they did not like it. I was happy because I got the best person for the job. You know, I was you're asking about the discipline. It's a discipline, but it's anchored that discipline in this particular case on my value of fairness. It's the fairness. I could not sleep when I know that I've not taken the best person. I've taken somebody who I don't know who he is or she is. I've left the best person. That I would not be able to sleep. If all of them were unhappy with me, I would be able to sleep. I don't have a problem because I think I've done the right thing. So, so that's the other one aspect around the discipline, being connected to your to your values. You know, uh, the other piece is, for example, uh, it's, it's so easy for people to to surround themselves with people who are like them, mm. or to have to have what I would call 
a, a inner circle. If you are a leader, you've got this inner circle over the weekend, you've got prize in your house. There are these people who come to your house who are direct reports to you. I don't do any of that. I don't do it because that creates a problem. There is first there is this group of people who are inside us. And think of yourself, if you are the part of the people who are not part of these insiders, how will you, how you feel? Because decisions are being made there and you are not there. So that's the first thing. But think now, assuming that one of the people who are in insider uh, who is not doing his job or her job properly, how do you handle that, that tough conversation? When now uh, you immediately have that you are discussing that uh, the wife is already calling your wife and say, hey, what is, what is going on? You know? So you are unable to hold people accountable because of the choices that you have made, allowing people to be much closer. You know? So it's a discipline thing. Human nature is saying that we need to be close to others. Mm. But to, to, to make sure that you create that distance, a distance that allows you to be able to hold people accountable, it requires discipline, a huge amount of discipline. You know? So those are the things that we, we struggle with as, 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 as leaders, uh, but discipline is something that is so, 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 so important. Mm. Well, yeah, I love what you've described there. I mean, because I think that well, I, for me, being a CEO myself, not obviously not the size of company that you run, um, but um, but certainly the for me, it's as 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 equal um, in terms of the the amount of discipline I need to have as a leader in a thirty man business. You know, especially now, uh, given what's going on out there. Um, and so, but the opinions of others don't necessarily reflect your ability to lead and or the worth or the value that you individually create um, for for your team and then ultimately for the business that, that you run. Um, I do feel though that in some cases it's it's hard to know when you've overstepped the mark as a leader. Does it make sense? So it's kind of like I'm being disciplined like I had to, I had to, I, I have, I call, I call them the hairdryer treatments. It's kind of like, um, I have a certain way of leading and it's, it's very direct. It's, this is where you stand. Here's the consequences of what you've done. Um, and you set very clear expectations and this is how I lead. This is my, my management style. Um, but I don't, I, I've, I, every time I give it, like, especially now working from home, I've given a couple out and, um, basically my wife's like, who were you talking to? You know, and I'm like, well, I was doing, and then I have to explain it. But I feel, as a as a human being, I very much believe in connecting to to others, just like what you and I are doing right now. You know, um, yeah, and it's yeah. why I started the podcast. It was to connect people together and to let them know that it's okay, you know, to be alone as an entrepreneur. It's okay to not know, um, and 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 here's how other people have done and achieved amazing things. But ultimately, this podcast is is, is all about connecting, and that's who I am. But now I'm being uh, through through my in my function as a leader and, and a C, as a CEO and as you say through discipline I'm having to be someone else. I'm having to be a wartime CEO. That's how I, I would describe it. It's like this is the fucking way it's going to be, um, and and it, it's this is how it has to be. Um, and so and so it's hard because you wrestle with that tension, you know. Because for me, oftentimes I've discovered at least that. If you t if you talk about meaning as an example, right? Meaning is always is often found between or in the tension between who you are and who we, who who you are meant to be. Do you understand? Um, and so and so it becomes a, a thing that I personally wrestle with. It's like how do I lead in such a manner that is congruent with the values, and one of those values could be connection. Um, and and how do I make those right, the right choices at the right time. Do you know what I mean? And, and to, to the examples that you provided, I mean, how would you characterize um, yourself as a leader or what are the, the qualities in leadership that you feel are necessary today, especially when you're thinking about, you know, as you're especially in a big company like Ultron Group um, around like COVID-19 and, and a lot of people who 
are incredibly uncertain, fearful. They have a lot of anxiety around what's going on. The whole workplace has shifted um, significantly. Um, and so as a leader, you're the custodian of these people, right? And so I'd really like to get your views. Like, how would you characterize who a leader should be today um, and in light of, of COVID? So, so uh, let's go back to, to me and what type of a leader am I? Uh, I don't think I, I got this to, to, to be the kind of leader that I am uh, just from from the word go, uh, it kind of like evolved, and then I found myself as I was I was I was going through this through experiences, and and where I am now, I would say that I'm much more. I would say I'm an authentic leader, meaning uh, I am just me. <laughs> you, 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 I'm not acting. Uh, uh, I, I'm a guy that that would be, you know, uh, in the morning. I'm a morning person, so everybody knows that, and 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 nobody would come to me and say, "Tato, can you have uh, a, a dinner with my customer?" No, because at six o'clock I leave the office, I come home. And that's where I need to be because I woke up in the morning when I left, uh, I, my wife was still asleep. So I need to have time with my family. So don't go and schedule a dinner with a customer. But hey, you can schedule a breakfast with a customer. You can schedule a, you know, so I am that kind of, I am just me. Uh, uh, the other thing you'll you'll see with me, uh, you know, I'm I'm not the most talkative person, so so I'm 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 quiet, you know, I'm a quiet guy. So the 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 other flip side around that being quiet is that actually I'm a very good listener. As a good listener, I create opportunities that are in line with who I am. So the way I lead is is very much in line with who I am. So I end up. It's, it's, if if now I you'll go to Altron to Microsoft wherever I've been they will tell you about the sessions that I always create uh, I, I call them round tables where two two to three hours I'm listening to staff they're telling us the things that we are not doing right the things that we are doing right they are trying to shape the, the thinking and, and the strategy of the company in those two hours I am not like gee. You know, I'm so tired of listening. I want to, to be throwing in my work. No, no. But I have created a, a platform that is very much in line with who I am. So it's not torture for me to be listening to them. It's something that I enjoy, you know. So I always look for those things as I lead. And it must be something that comes naturally, you know. And so, 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 that's, so that's the first thing. Uh, the other thing is that I've realized that none of us, uh, you can be at the top, but we do not all have, we don't, I don't have all of the answers. In fact, the people at the top usually don't have the answers. The people that have the answers are people that are connecting with customers and, uh, and, and, and engaging and getting the, you know, the views of those people, something that is critical. So I am that inclusive participative manager you know a leader that is very much uh, inclusive getting ideas i have a very clear point of view about everything because a clear point of view but i go and seek out information there if i pick up something that i feel when i compare it to what i have is better i replace my thing with that one and that, that becomes my standard but i got it from somebody else you know mm -hmm. that is the kind of person that, that I'm, I'm forever learning learning and replacing and, and empowering very 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 strong and empowering but other people can empower and you end up not uh, uh you don't look after you, you leave those people alone i don't leave people alone you know i've empowered you but hey we need to have some checkpoints, you know. Mm. Is what we are, I was hoping that you'll do, is are you doing that thing? So I hold people accountable. And so so that's that. But in this time, right now, what when I when I look at Ultron, what are, what are the big issues right now? Most of our employees 
are feeling threatened. They are scared. They don't know what the future holds. This is where leadership comes in. This is where we need to be much more connected. Over the last two weeks, you know, we have had what I call town hall meetings, you know, but via 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 this uh, this platform. You know, I've never had you know in just two weeks connecting with all of our staff in just two weeks like that. You know, no. But it is exactly at this time, you don't want rumors. You don't want them to have wrong information. Mm. You must create a platform for them to ask you stuff, you know, provide clear directions because that's what is required right now. Mm. You know, at, at least we know we're going there. Okay, right now uh, we have a situation like today. Uh, today is the end of the first uh, lockdown today. So, so people that were in the first lockdown that we, we sent uh, on lockdown, uh, they had to, some of them had to take half of the time uh, they used their annual leave, and some uh, which contributed half of the time uh, with annual leave as Ultron. Uh, now, going forward, we cannot continue to afford to contribute that half the time. So we have come up with another plan. We say that those of people who want to donate their annual leave, some of them are the ones who are working, so they are not using their annual leave as because we're part of essential services. Mm. We're asking, we're pulling all of the leave, hmm? uh, people will donate to that pool, to help the people that have been forced to be sitting at home to contribute to that, you know. And we had to communicate this thing. We had to come up with those ideas, mm -hmm. rally, uh, get the people to create those ideas. So that is what is required now, being very, very close to the ground, what's going on and providing guidance, providing direction, uh, and giving this, the opportunity for people to ask questions. Yeah, it's a great point. Uh, one of the things um, Alon raised, I don't know if you know him, um, but um, he runs a massive incubator here, in, well, the largest incubator in Africa, but just a super knowledgeable dude. Um, and um, yeah, and he was basically, he always jokes with me. <laughs> He's like, uh, all I know is that I don't know. Yes. You know, and, and it's an interesting thing because for me, if you think about that, it's it's truly insightful because if you operate from a place of, you don't know, then you can start to develop leadership qualities that people will resonate with and connect with. One of those things is empathy. So being empathetic to the situation, because I don't know how you're feeling. I don't. And how are you supposed to know as the CEO when you've got like thousands of people that you're ultimately responsible for, you know? Um, and so if, and you have to be empathetic to your point around listening. So now you, you, you say you're empathetic. Great. So if you're empathetic, you have to listen, but not listen to respond, listen to understand. Um, and then, and, and there you go. That's it. And so, and so, and it's just such an, a, an important point, um, that you, that you've landed there. Um, I wanted to kind of get into, um, some more stuff, if you don't mind, for a second. Um, so one of the uh, points we didn't kind of net off was around don't mess up and, and fear. As a leader, um, it's difficult to know how to um, elicit feedback in terms of decisions that you make as, as a business leader, as a CEO. And it gets harder the bigger the company. Like for me, if I make a decision, I can see things straight away. It's like, it's, it's easy for me. But when you're running, when you're running a bigger company, uh, it's oftentimes a little bit slower. You get there, but it's slower. Um, and so um, also then if you think about this new business unusual is the new normal you know um and so now as leaders we're operating in a place where, where we also don't know like we also a little bit fearful we also like hurry like how do i implement the structures and the feedback mechanisms necessary now when my entire workforce is sitting at home you know what i mean um and so we're also in this new paradigm of business unusual is, is kind of what i would how i would describe it um I want to just in that context then how how do you, how do you personally operate when it comes to managing fear so yeah it's a, it's it's really one of the big problems uh, in in organization this issue of fear uh, the, the thing that you will find again on almost all of the companies that have been to is that we 
always move towards being a values-based company. It may, I may arrive there, no values, but later on, uh, that becomes the thing that everybody talks about. Here are the values of the company. That provides so much clarity, the values. You know, for example, uh, in, in, in the case of Altron, we, we came up with a set of values, and those values were, when it's, it's not like the invention of Mteto or the, the, the four values that, that I shared with you. No, these values were created out of the engagement with staff. And, and the staff ultimately created the values because through those engagements and through the, the surveys that we did, they told us the things that we're good at and they told us the things that we need to improve on. So we decided to use that as being our set of values. For example, the first value that our first value is openness, honesty, and integrity. That's the one value. Uh, they were very clear to us, our employees, that uh, uh, they they are proud of working for Altron because uh, it's an ethical company, you know, and and that is good. It's something that you need to protect, mm. but especially during that time when we did the survey. Was the time of the Guptas, you know, you know, to hear your employees telling you that, <laughs> you know, you are an ethical company is one of those things that you have to protect. Uh, but at the same time, they said, hey, we were learning about what was going on in our company from the media. We were not hearing it from the leaders. So you guys are not open. In fact, we can even go to the extent of saying that uh, you are not so honest with us, you know. Uh, so when you see that value, openness, honesty, is addressing the aspiration part, which is we are trying to address the openness and honesty, but we are also capturing on the integrity side the fact that they believe that uh, we are an ethical company. The other one of the values is uh, is, uh, is, is diversity and inclusion, you know, embracing diversity and inclusion. Uh, they were very clear to us that, hey, when we're looking up the organization, we only see white male over the age of 55. We'd like to see ourselves there with people like us, you know. Uh, if I'm a woman, I would like to see, you know, you know, I should be able to make it in this company. Mm. If, if I'm a young person, you know, there needs to be that diversity. So the value that I'm talking about here, now the diversity and inclusion, it, it captures that area of, of aspiration. We want to create a diverse company where everybody can feel like they can be able to be successful in this company. So how does that link to the fear that you're talking about? Mm. Now the conversations are so different. Because people are not talking about, they always point back to a value, you know? Yeah. When it, it comes to facts, you know, they, they've got something that they can, it's like a constitution, like in our country now, you know, mm. because a new constitution, it is like that. To try and address the fear question, drive the values, the culture of values within the company, we did not just end there. We, take, we took each and every one of those values and unpack what are the behaviors that we associate with this value? What are the behaviors that uh, work against this value? That is what we've been rolling out throughout the company. That has reduced significantly the fear uh, because now it's no longer personal. We're talking about a value, you know? Yeah. So that's very important. Plus, the other thing about fear, fear is, is how, how we as leaders show up, you know? Uh, mm. Exactly. Thing that we accept and kind of things that we don't accept. It sends a clear signal within the company, you know, uh, what's acceptable, what's not acceptable. And uh, so, so it, I think as leaders, we have to continue to be working on that, empowering people to make decisions. Uh, we think that it, is, it comes natural. It doesn't. Uh, uh, when people have been operating in environments where they have not been given the space, they don't just now grab the opportunity when you empower them. They, they are scared of making mistakes. So, so they must show, they must see how you deal with people that have made mistakes. Oh, it's okay to make mistakes. 
okay, then they will start to take those uh, those those few steps. So so for me, the key point though uh, around this is the is the values, mm. the values centric organization. Yeah, there's so much there to get into. One of those um, the latter points was around um, was around how you pitch up. And I think one of the or how you pitch up as a leader, and one of the one of the best examples I've seen lately is our own president Cyril uh, Ramaphosa, and how he's pitched up as a leader um, in this um, COVID nineteen tsunami that uh, is affecting the whole world. Um, and all over social media, you know, I, even my own staff were, you know, on we have a WhatsApp group, and um, they were you know, after the second speech. Uh, from or the, after the third one, actually, the, quite a few people were saying how they felt proud for the first time, you know, mm-hmm. um, as a leader to be, uh, well, as South Africans, because Cyril's just led, he led in a way that was decisive, open. He addressed the fears of, of ordinary South Africans all, from all demographics all around the country. Um, and he made the tough choices that, um, that needed to be made um, at the time, you know, um, and so what, what he did was, I, I'm using him as a kind of, a, of an, as a national example, but this will easily quantify what you've described as a, in terms of a business and as CEOs, you know, it, he galvanized the culture of South Africans around an idea. And, yeah. and that's what, um, that's what he did so well. And yes, you can argue, okay, but what has he done about the economy? And, you know, there's obviously, there's only so much anyone can ever do in a, in a situation that's, quite frankly, no one's ever been through this before. Um, and yeah. uh, not for a hundred, a hundred years, just to be clear on that. There's no book about this stuff. Um, and so, so, of course, he's not going to get it all right, but he got it largely right. He, he did what he needed to do as a leader. And so he galvanized the culture of South Africans. Um, and equally then as CEOs, in your case, what you've done is you, through the, your value systems as a company, you've also galvanized the culture of the Ultron group, right? And then equally, you know, it's something I think as leaders we should all be looking to do is to say, well, what steps do I need to take today to take back tomorrow? Yes, yes, yes. I, I, I agree 100% with that. You know, I always say that leadership matters. Uh, by that, I mean uh, you can take uh, a team that is mediocre team, uh, then put a, a, a good leader there. You would be surprised how though that team would perform, doing exceptional work. You, you take a team of superstars you know, and put a bad leader over that team, that team will perform poorly, you know. And 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 I look at our country. We've got a country that has got such a great potential, uh, great great potential. This country of ours. Uh, we just go back to the Zuma years. Uh, what happened there? And 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 we, yeah, it's painful. You know, we are going through this mess that we are going through now, largely as a consequence of the kind of leader that we we chose as a country you know and 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 so one person one person can make such a difference you know he made this big we are yes of course it's not alone but the leader he created the culture and the space he allowed certain things uh, it's the same thing if I look at the U.S. right now. You know, I would not necessarily want to be there. I'm not. I would not be proud uh, when I look at what is happening there. But it's just one person. One person creating this new. It's going to take them years to get rid of what has been created by 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 President Trump. Uh, mm. I'm proud to see our own leader. You know, who is Cyril, uh, what he has done. You know, uh, he's not perfect. Uh, he, he may have been even much more bolder in some areas, much more faster in terms of decision. But hey, put that aside to look at the quality of some of the decisions that he has made. Uh, we will see the benefits of having a kind of leader like him in a few years, five years and a while. It was great to have somebody like that. You know? So mm. that's, that's how important leaders are without undermining the, the role of followers. Yes, we've got a responsibility as followers, but leaders matter too, you know. 
Yeah, it does. Um, so I think uh, just cognizance of time. Um, so just uh, give us a little bit more of the narrative behind the the book of yours, Betting on a Darkie. What are, I know we kind of uh, detoured a lot, and I'm sure a lot of what we covered is probably written about to some extent in the book. Might be wrong, but but give us the the overarching message. What is what do we need to know about betting on a darkie? Um, and uh, why should we? Why should we go out there and, and spend our time consuming what you've had to say? Yeah. So there, there are a couple of lessons uh, that are captured there. Uh, I'll say the first one is that your con- so your circumstances they don't define you. We should never sit and say, "Oh, because I I come from this kind of environment, I can never be X." No. You know, they, it's, it's all about your choices. So that's the first thing. But the second thing, which is like a, a, a writing thing throughout the book, is uh, it's, it's this thing which I call personal mastery. Mm. Personal mastery or self-mastery. Uh, how do you get to a point where you are comfortable with who you are and are able to manage yourself? So you... Uh, I would talk about things like self-awareness, you know, uh, the values, uh, self-discipline, lifelong learning, uh, the ability to turn the negative into a positive, you know, having positive thoughts. Uh, that kind of that, to me, that's the that's the that's the base of anything. You know, we need to master ourselves before we are able to master every to manage others. We have to first master and know who we are being comfortable of who we are embracing your your identity other people just just uncomfortable you can call me the k word i don't care that's your problem you know you know, mm. I, you, you call me what i am a black guy and i've embraced that you know and 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 i'm comfortable in that and i know that helps me in the, it, it adds the fact that I am who I am, uh, it brings something unique into this world, you know? And and that's what I want people, hence the whole question around the darky thing, I want people to be comfortable in terms of who they are and, and, and who their identity is, embrace that, use that to move forward, you know? Uh, so, so that is really the book. The book is about is about those values that I'm talking about. Uh, it's also about the personal mastery. Yeah, it's um, it's interesting. One of the things, uh, obviously, written. I'll, I'd like to send you a copy of my book. Um, with, as soon as I can, I get the team to to get your details. Um, but uh, writing that book was hard for me because it may, it had to make me more honest than I've ever been before. Um, and one of the things I learned through that whole experience, because by the way, trying to be honest with yourself is actually bloody hard work <laughs> uh, in some cases. You know, it's it's, it's you'd be like, oh, yeah, but I'm always, but no, but when you're honest with yourself. Not with others. When you're honest with yourself, that's where that's where true um, creative, like authenticity, comes out. And so, one of the things I've learned is that you know your most honest work will always be your best work, and more than likely, it will also be your most successful work. And and my book did extremely well. Went to number one on Amazon because it was honest. You know. Wow. Um, and yeah. and and one of the things I just wanted to to kind of commend you on is is your honesty. Because I think um, you know it, it's hard to find true leaders who are completely authentically honest with with people, um, and it's a dying breed uh, in my experience. But anyway, I, I digress. Um, I wanted to to wrap this up and just ask you, Mtezo, what? Why do you do what you do? What gets you out of bed in the morning? So, so why do why do I do what I do? Uh, you know, I, we we all ask ourselves, why are we in this life? You know, you ask, what is my purpose in this life? And and we, we can never be, sh- be sure what th- that purpose is. Uh, but but I've kind of like been working on this thing uh, for a number of years. And I think my purpose is uh, really to help people to realize that each and every one of us have got greatness within ourselves, you know. And and my job, I see in my job is to do my little bit of awakening that giant within each and every one of us, you know. Uh, it may be what I say, it may be a post that I, I, I put there, but it's to try and 
to help people to understand that we don't have to be we already have it what you are looking for is inside mm. connect with it uh, wake them up uh, so that they cannot be yeah people can can be able to to realize their potential in in this life so that is that that is what that keeps me awake when i get two teams that were underperforming teams and in 6 to 12 months those teams are now doing great work that satisfies me because i've not changed though it's the same people but they've been given the direction they've been helped to understand that they've got the ideas within themselves and they connected with those ideas and they can see those ideas working that satisfies me so that is who i am and uh, and and yeah that's what drives me every day mteto nyati thanks for being on the show Thanks for listening to the Map Round Show, guys. Don't forget, you can catch me on all social media platforms for the latest updates, news, and a show history. So if you've been catching this on the podcast, please head on over to our YouTube channel and pound that subscribe button. It would be great to catch the video version there. And if you want a free copy of my number one Amazon best-selling book, You're in a game for free right now today. You can grab that on mattbrownshow.com forward slash ebook. Ever wanted to become a best-selling author? Well, I'm in the influence business and I work with business owners and CEOs and business leaders to help them scale their influence. And we do this as a team by helping you to become a best-selling author, sought-after speaker and industry influencer in only 30 days. My team and I have developed a system that delivers a best-selling book and a launch campaign 300% faster and 50% less cost than anyone else in North America. This system is incredibly efficient. One of my clients Haiku went from a 2% share of voice globally to an 11% share of voice globally in only seven days. If you'd like more information, head on over to showworksmedia.com for more. That is showworks with an x.com.